Have you ever been accused of attempted murder in a deposition? I have, and I'm here to tell because I've lived. Let's go back to when I worked at the UCSD Medical Center Microbiology Lab. It could have been called University Hospital Microbiology Lab at that time. I remember going through the transition of name changing, but suffice it to say, still the same institution. I started, I think I may have talked about this, when I was about 17 or 18. Could have been 18. I had to be 18 to be able to work. But I was a UCSD medical student having recently been kicked out of Pepperdine University, Malibu. And I got a job in the University Hospital Pediatric Cardiology Office. I'll save that for another story because that actually has some interesting characters involved. This particular story involves Maria. And so I did eventually get the job as an administrative assistant in the University Hospital Microbiology Lab, and I worked hard. I was a good administrative assistant, albeit it was a very tough place to work. I don't know that I've told the story about the bullying that went on within the environment, and so I think I'm going to be talking about that later. And if I've talked about it in a previous podcast, please forgive me. But after several years, I did work my way into supervisory position. Now, supervisory position is really an interesting term to call it. I was considered a supervisor, even though the managers above me, aka bullies, really, really tried to keep me in my place. And because I was so much younger than everybody in the lab, it was easy to bully me, to keep me into my place and not allow me the head to do what a supervisor does. So I I was fighting that all along the way. But the major fight that I had during that time was an employee named Maria. Now, I don't want to come across as representing any kind of disrespect for Maria, But Maria surely did show me a lot of disrespect. She was the type of employee that knew exactly what to do 
and when to do it and when to stop doing it for her own best interests. And that was because she was a part of the union. And I've made it clear from the very beginning in working at the University of California that unions give the employees a false sense of security. They make them believe that they have way more power than they really have. I'm not saying that that is the case with all unions. I remember when my parents were both employed at Kaiser Permanente, they had a union and that union was wonderful for the employees and very fair. However, the University of California or the University Hospital union was terrible. And everybody knew that it was terrible. But those who were part of the union, and I wasn't because I was a quote-unquote supervisor, took advantage of the union. And Maria was a strong supporter of taking advantage of the union. Now, I don't presume to understand what was going on in Maria's mind. She just seemed like a down-and-out troublemaker. Psychologically, now, with my experience, I kind of have ideas. I mean, Maria was confined to a wheelchair. And Maria was confined to a wheelchair because in her youth, she contracted, I think it's the right word, polio. And it affected her as such that she wasn't able to walk, at least in the beginning of her employment at in the microbiology lab, without a uh, um, those hand braces. And she was quite adept at walking with the hand braces, but eventually she was confined to the wheelchair. And she would come in in the wheelchair and she would boost her way out of it into the requisite chairs. But of course, playing on the and God, this sounds disrespectful, and I don't mean it, but I'm doing it through the eyes of Maria, playing on the polio card. She couldn't do a lot of things that were expected of her in the job. And she used that to get herself out of doing quite a lot. Now, this is where the union comes into play. There wasn't a whole lot that we could do about it because Maria was handicapped. But I'm here to tell you, mentally, Maria was not handicapped in any way or fashion. She knew exactly what she was doing. And again, psychologically, it very well could have been that the reason why she was doing what she was doing was all about her attempting to hold on or create as much control 
as she could have over her life. That's understandable. I mean, when we feel like we're losing our control over life, we seek to find it wherever we can. And hopefully we seek to find it wherever we can in a positive way. Maria, uh uh-uh. She was going to seek her control in her own way. And that was to be the most difficult employee that anyone could imagine. The nightmare of supervisors. How? Well, she would try to get away with as many things as she could. And she would do it over and over and over again, knowing that, okay, I did it once. And remember, she's backed by the union, so, and the University of California guidelines. I do it once, I get a talking to. I do it again, I get, what, a verbal something, I can't remember the terminology. I do it the third time, I get written up for it. I do it the fourth time, I get suspended for a period of time. I do it the fifth time and I'm terminated. Maria would do one, two, three, four. And just when we thought we had her in the net, she wouldn't do the fifth. She'd move on to something different. And here we'd go on with the pattern again. One, two, three, four. Uh Uh-uh, you ain't gonna get a fifth out of me. This is the way that she played her game. Now, I know that the title of this is Maria Lugnuts. So let's get into that particular bane of my existence, the game she was playing with me. She wanted to try to bury me. This was the reason she was doing everything that she was doing. She wanted to harm me in some way. So one day I get called into my supervisor's office And I was presented with this written deposition. It was a deposition that apparently Maria had done with some semblance of legal authorities that listed me by name. Here's the story. Apparently, well, let's back up a second here because I think it's important to say this. At that time, I drove a red Mazda RX-7. I bought that baby with my own money and I was making my payments and I was so proud of myself. And I'm here to tell you that nobody drove a red Mazda RX-7. I don't even think a lot of people drove an RX-7. I was ahead of the game, and I was proud of myself, and I let everyone know it. 
and I parked in the parking structure and I was so happy about driving my bright red Mazda RX-7. So as the deposition goes, Maria was in her kitchen doing her dishes. Okay, picture it. Looking out her window and she saw a red Mazda RX-7 go past her window in one direction. And then she saw a Mazda RX-7 red go past her window again. Apparently she didn't think anything about it at the time. She just saw a red Mazda RX-7. Later in the day, she decides to get in her car and go driving someplace. I don't know where she was driving. I don't know how she was driving because apparently she was confined to a wheelchair um, and no disrespect intended to Ken. I'm not quite sure how she was able to drive with polio, hardly being able to walk. But apparently the deposition said that she got in the car, she was driving her car, she was on the freeway, and her wheel fell off. And there was all kind of mayhem and all that stuff, and she finally got over to the side of the road, and the tow truck came, and the police came, and they investigated the matter, and they determined that someone had loosened the lug nuts on her wheel to make it fall off. And she listed me in the deposition as the suspect for that because she had seen a red Mazda RX-7 driving past her house one way and then the other. And everybody knew that I drove a red Mazda RX-7. It's laughable on one hand. On the other hand, it's not laughable. Let me go to the not laughable part first. If Maria had ever decided to do anything with that deposition, it would have meant that I could be in some semblance of legal trouble. Her word against mine, I'm not quite sure where it would go. That, even today, in thinking about that and the cunningness that she had, sort of scares me. But on the other side of the coin, it was laughable and it was laughable not only to me, but it was laughable to everybody who knew me. Because I, they knew. I fucking had no idea what a lug nut was. We're talking about a gay boy here. I wouldn't know, even if I knew what a lug nut was. I wouldn't know what to do with a lug nut, let alone loosen it 
so that somebody's wheel would fall off. So that actually supported my defense more because everybody around me knew that this couldn't possibly be because the big homo doesn't understand what a lug nut is and doesn't know what to do with a lug nut. So that sort of slipped to the side, was put on the back burner, and Maria went on with her shenanigans again. She shenaniganed and she shenaniganed until one day she shenaniganed too far. And I don't know why exactly. Maybe she got tired of shenaniganing and made a mistake or whatever. But we found everything that we needed to do. One, two, three, four, and five. We canned her ass. She wasn't employed there anymore. She left. And don't you know, I found out two months later, she died. And I know this is a horrible thing to say, but if she were going to die, why couldn't she have done it way in advance of making my life hell? Oh, that was so mean. Just joking. Mm-hmm. Another episode of Live to Tell. Till next time.